Good morning, church. It's our privilege and honor to be again with you online today. Wherever you're watching from, we want to welcome you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray that you will experience Him in a way today that will uplift you and enlighten you to a greater truth of who He is and His life-changing power. Our main aim today through this service is to lift up the wonderful and magnificent name of Jesus. And may our offerings to Him today be a sweet-smelling aroma that pleases Him and brings glory to His name. And so I'd like to invite you just to still yourself, cut yourself off from the busyness of this past week, all the pressures that may have come your way, and let's just spend this time adoring and focusing our attention on our Creator, our Savior, our amazing God. Let's pray together. Father God, we come to you in the mighty and beautiful name of Jesus. We want to commit this time and this word to you. As we come together today to celebrate your goodness, we pray that you would manifest yourself in such magnificence and such power that every need would be met and every heart that is in need of restoration will be filled by your love and be overcome with the joy of who you are. Help us to see the truth in your word today, Lord, and let that truth change us and mold us for your purposes and for your glory. Come and have your way in us today, we pray. And as I undertake to present your word of truth, I pray that you would anoint my lips and the ears of those listening. I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, I'm excited to be with you today, church. I have a, a word on my heart that I want to share with you about being a Christian that testifies to the work of grace in your life. You would have seen the title of my message, Why Testify? Why Testify? So it's a title with a question, and I want to start asking by, I want to start by asking you a quick question. How many of you out there are concerned about the future right now? How many of you out there are concerned? I think if we're all honest, none of us have ever expected 2020 to turn out the way that it has so far, and the future is pretty uncertain. It seems like everything has just been turned upside down. And it's not only COVID-19, but the world seems to be in turmoil, right? And there are those of you that are starting to say, if God really cares and loves us, why is He allowing this to happen? They're saying, why do bad things happen to good people? And you know, even our children with their childlike faith are asking, why is God allowing this to carry on? We're facing something that none of us have ever come close to experiencing in our lifetimes. And so I guess the question today is, how do we move into the future when there's adversity and difficulty? How do we trust, right? How do we keep on trusting when life is hard and at times doesn't make sense? And I believe that's what Jesus is going to explain as we get into the Word of God together this morning. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to John chapter 16 and just keep your place there because I'm going to give you a quick overview of the book of John. And then I want to get you to the very last night when Jesus is betrayed and arrested. And then we'll look at John chapter 16 because what he's going to tell a group of his followers that are concerned and fearful about their future what he says to them is just as important and relevant for us today. So the first five chapters of the Gospel of John are about Jesus' miracles and the testimonies of those miracles. 
And the question to his followers was, will you believe that I came from God? Will you believe that I'm the Son of God? Will you believe that when I've done these miracles, I am who I say I am? Then the second five chapters from chapter 6 to 10 are mostly about, will you follow me? Are you willing to follow me? You see, he was saying, it's not just enough to intellectually agree that I'm the Son of God, that I've healed people, that I've raised people from the dead, that I'm the Savior of the world, right? But are you willing to go on this journey of following me? And then from chapters 11 to 15, he gets more intimate with his inner group of followers and he says, will you love me? He says, will you love me? And he's not just saying love from an affectionate point of view. He's saying, will you love me to the degree, right, that you will obey my commandments? He says in John chapter 15, verses 12 to 14, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. And Jesus is saying, are you willing to love me? And then are you willing to love others the way that I love you? And even though he's setting the bar very high here, they still decide to stay with him and committed to him because at this point many of Jesus' followers had really fallen by the wayside and even Jesus' brothers didn't believe him. And then finally in chapters 16 to 21, Jesus was asking them and he's asking us the same question today, will you testify? Will you testify? Out loud, verbally. Will you testify to what you have seen, what you have heard and what you've experienced of me in your life will you testify like a witness in a courtroom that these things are factual and evident in your experience so that other people can grab a hold of it and understand the great and awesome love of god so church just to set the scene that leads up to chapter 16 jesus tells his disciples that they are going to celebrate passover together and so they make it into this room together and there was no servant there to wash their feet so jesus comes and he takes off his outer garment he ties a towel around his waist and one by one he goes to his disciples and he being the the teacher kneels down and washes their feet they were astounded by this then they start the meal and he tells them that someone is going to betray him And Satan enters Judas. Judas gets up. He goes to the religious leaders and and plots to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. The supper carries on with the rest of them. And Jesus institutes what we now call the Lord's Supper. And he's saying, I'm going to die on the cross in your place for your sin and for the sins of all the world. He says, take this bread as the representation of my body. and Take this, this wine as the representation of my spilled blood. Do this in remembrance of me. They sing a hymn together and then they go for a walk. And at this point, the, the, the disciples are still confused and afraid. Jesus is saying he's going and they want to know when he will return. They don't get that he has to die. And so the first thing that Jesus says to them is, I'm the vine. I'm life. You are the, you are the branches. 
My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me will bear fruit. I'm going to produce my life inside of you. And so he says, I want you to remain connected to me. I want you to abide in me so that you will bear fruit and that your joy may be full. And second, he says, here's my new commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. I want you to love each other. I want you to lay down your life for one another. I want you to do whatever it would take, even if you would have to die for one another physically. I want you to love to that degree, he says, the way that I love you, the way that I'm going to die for you. Because the way that the world is going to know that I am who I say I am, that I came from the Father, that I'm fully God and I'm fully man, is they're going to watch your lives. And the only explanation of your love for one another at this level will be evidence of what I said on this earth is true. And third, he's going to say, finally, I want you to testify. I want you to tell people about me. I want you to be my witnesses because you have been with me from the beginning. And so what Jesus is doing here at church, he's, he's recruiting a team of 11 men. He's preparing these 11 men that will start the greatest revolution in all of history. These 11 men will be 2 billion strong about 2,000 years later. Which if you work out the math is about 2,700 souls, one for Christ, every single day from then until now. If you take it as an average. And that's us. In almost every known language, every country, every culture, followers of Jesus. And you know, every one of these 11 men except one will literally be killed for their faith. And it will be out of this love for each other and their love for him that like a wildfire within 300 years the Roman Empire gets turned around. By the year 313 AD, it is estimated that 33 million of the 60 million people in the Roman Empire were followers of Jesus because of their radical lives, because of their testimony. So Jesus is explaining all these things to them and clarifies what their future role is going to be, what he expects from them, where he's going and what the Holy Spirit is going to mean in their lives. Because as I said, at, the, at this point, they don't really understand. And so he's going to tell them that it's going to get really tough, but there's hope. And Jesus says to them in, in John chapter 15, verses 26 to 27, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus clarifies their role. And you see, church, their role was not to start a new religion. It wasn't just to be a nice bunch of guys. It wasn't just to be morally pure. Their role was to testify about who Jesus was and what they actually saw that he did. Now, the word testify, when you look it up in the dictionary, means to give evidence as a witness to certain facts in a courtroom. It's to serve as evidence or proof that something 
actually existed or is the case. And so very clearly, their role wasn't just to be good people who believed and followed God. Their role was to verbally and with their lives testify. So Jesus clarifies this for them. And then he sets out these expectations about their future. And you know, if it were up to us and we were recruiting people for a worldwide movement, I think we may be a little more positive. We may be a little more uh, diplomatic. You know, like, hey everyone, if you just follow this movement, everything's going to be great. Life is going to be wonderful. I mean, if you're single, you're going to find the most amazing partner. Your finances are going to increase and your health is going to be good all the time. Kind of like the stuff that you hear on television about Christianity. But let's just read and find out what the author of Christianity says about facing the future that that may be difficult. And finally, now we come to John chapter 16. And Jesus says, I have said all these things, right? I'm preparing you. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you that when the hour comes, you may remember I told them to you. He's setting the expectations, right? And throughout chapter 16, he says, I want to affirm your faith. I'm going to predict your failure and I will give you hope because it's going to get really hard. And in verse 31, after they finally start to get what Jesus is saying and where he's going and when he will return and what that means for their lives, Jesus says this to them in in verse 31 to 33. He says, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come. When you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Church, Jesus makes it very clear that in the world, the world that we're living, there is trouble. You're going to face difficulty. Because you know, church, in a fallen world, drunk drivers wipe out innocent families. In a fallen world, innocent women and children are abused. In a fallen world, even little children get cancer. In this world, your business partner that you trusted with your life and all your finances lies to you and does you in. In this world, someone that you love very dearly and that you thought you would be with forever leaves you for someone else. And the list can go on and on. And what Jesus is helping us understand through the scriptures as he was with the disciples is whatever you go through, whatever you're going to face, he says, I will be with you. I will be with you. The Father will hear you. The Spirit will live in you. But you need to realize that you're signing up for living in a present world with all of its flaws, but with a forever hope. And so my power is going to operate inside of you. This is more than likely going to get really, really hard, but I'll be with you and there's victory at the end of it. And for anybody that's listening to this, isn't that a little different 
to the sort of picture of this perfect Christian life. That if you believe in Jesus, you'll never sin again. And everything's just going to be smooth sailing. And if you send a certain amount of money to some ministry, then God's going to give it back to you tenfold. You see, church, there's a lot of bad teaching out there that completely misses the, the Jesus of the New Testament. Because, because of this, this teaching, a lot of us have been convinced that you only follow Jesus, not because He's your personal Lord and Savior, but because He's your personal genie to give you what you want and make you happy in life. And that you'll only be happy when you have all these things, you look a certain way, or, you, or you've accomplished certain things. Then you would have peace and then you would be happy. But the real truth about that is that people who have done all of that find that there's never enough. And what Jesus promises is instead what you have is me. And yes, I may give you a number of these things, the desires of your hearts, but that's never the goal. And he says, I'll give you a peace that no one, no relationship, no circumstance, not even death itself can take away from you. And you will have my joy in you on this journey. Take heart, I have overcome the world. And I guess the question we have to ask ourselves, church, if that's what Jesus said to the first century Christians, what about us? What would Jesus say to us in our day with all our challenges and how quickly our world is changing? And I believe that Jesus is saying to us, the time is now. The time is now. The world is in chaos. There's very little certainty about the future. The time is now to boldly testify about your relationship with Jesus. The time is now to testify, to declare, I'm unashamed. I'm a follower of Christ. I believe that He's the Son of God. I believe that He died for my sins and He rose again. And this is what I'm experiencing in my life because of this truth. I'm not pushing anything on anyone. I just love radically. I testify to the rea reality of Christ in my life. In 1 John chapter 1, from verses 1 to 4, there's a very beautiful passage of Scripture that I want to share with you. And it says this, From the very first day, we were there, taking it all in. We heard it with our own ears, saw it with our own eyes, verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we are telling you in most sober prose that what we witnessed was incredibly this. The infinite life of God Himself took shape before us. We saw it. We heard it. And now we're telling you so that you can experience it along with us. This experience of communion with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too. Your joy will double our joy. Church, every person at your work needs to know that Jesus cares about them. Everybody in your neighborhood, everybody in your friendship and, and family circle, and on, Facebook, on your Facebook page and on Instagram, needs in the right way, at the right time, sensitively for you to proclaim what you've seen 
and what you've heard. Not pushing religion, not Bible bashing, but this is what you have experienced. Now, I know, you know, at this point, this is where our Christian walk becomes a little uncomfortable. And just the thought of you sharing your faith with someone makes you get a knot in your stomach, right? And you're thinking, you know what, ooh, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can share my faith with someone. And you see, church, while we feel this way, most of the times is because we have believed this lie that if you would boldly and clearly proclaim with your words your belief in Jesus, that people would be turned off and disrespect you. Or you might lose your job or something else might happen. Yes, that some of that may happen. But I will tell you that for every 10% of the, the time that that might happen, 90% of the time what you experience is that the Holy Spirit is out convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment, just like it says in Scripture, that all the people at your work, all the people in your neighborhood, your friends and your family, they're afraid too. They see the chaos in the world. They're experiencing the same setbacks as you. They have children and grandchildren. They going through the same emotional pain that you're experiencing. And you know what? They either just put their head down or they just don't know what to do. And the answer of peace and joy resides in you as a follower. And church, this isn't about guilt. This is about opportunity. Just think about this. What would happen if we realized that our calling isn't just to be a good, a good person and maybe serve in the church occasionally? What if we realized that the call is to testify? Can you imagine the impact? What if the Holy Spirit actually is working? What if this is true? What if He is convicting and wooing and people are just waiting for you to walk by with a word of encouragement or an answer? And you know, God's been working in this person and they, they really need God. And they're asking themselves the questions, you know, what is the meaning of life? Is there a God? And this Christian just passes by without saying a word and an opportunity is gone. And you see, church, all you have to do is open up your mouth. The Holy Spirit will give you the answers and the words to minister to this person. And many times He has already prepared the person to hear this good news that we carry inside of us. And you know, if we're really honest with ourselves, we've probably missed 20 to 30 opportunities like that over the past 30 days, myself included. And what if the hundreds of people that belong to Frontline Church, what if the hundreds of people that watch this broadcast every Sunday started testifying? Not just by life, not just by integrity and our commitment, which is also important, but with our words. You know, I'm not ashamed of Jesus. He's changed my life. I'm not pushing anything on anyone. This is just what I've seen. This is just what I've heard. And this is what He's done inside of me. And I'm excited about that. I want to tell you about it. You know, church, just as excited as you may be to tell someone that you're pregnant, or that you've won a big contract, or that your marriage has been restored, or that, you know, Liverpool are the Premier League champions again. You share that Im impact of Jesus on your life with the same excitement. You're just sharing your joy with them. 
You know, someone asked me a couple of years ago, why do Christians raise their hands and get so excited and make such a commotion when they sing songs to God? And I asked him, do you get excited and jump up and down and raise your hands when your favorite sports team scores a try or scores a goal? It was a loaded question because I knew he was a sports fanatic. And he said, well, you know, yes, of course I do. That's my team. I love cheering them on when they do well. That's how I share my joy. I'm just a passionate guy, he said. And so I said to him, that's why Christians raise their hands and sometimes do some crazy things because they are so overwhelmed with joy. Because the creator of this universe has redeemed them from a messed up and broken life. Their lives were on their way to eternal damnation and redemption met them in the most unlikely of places. And you're never going to hold back that type of joy. You're just not going to hold it back. And you know, something clicked inside of him that day. You see, we need to share our perspective with people. We need to share our joy. We need to testify. And church is not about having all the perfect answers and the, the perfect words to say. Well, you know, the type of Christianese talk we think we have to have when we speak to people. Just be yourself. Just share your heart. And if you are overwhelmed when the, you feel the Holy Spirit is prompting you to speak to someone, just asking for wisdom and just simply do what He says little by little. And the more that you put yourself out there, the more the Lord will open you up to these opportunities. You see, church, we actually have to be out there thinking testify so church God is calling us to testify this means that we will have to start looking for opportunities to share our testimony and in fact we don't have to look that far because the opportunities are all around us and secondly that you, sh you should expect rejection and persecution and even be prepared to die for your testimony and you may say, you know what, Ryan, that word die, that's, that's just a bit radical. I mean, can't you frame it in a different way? Couldn't you just help us buy into this concept in a more diplomatic way? And church, I could do that. But just as Jesus was preparing his disciples for what was coming, he's saying the same to us today. Something's coming. Something's coming and the church is going to be persecuted. And are you prepared to lay down your life for someone else as you testify about this unmerited grace over your life? And I don't want to scare you away today and even stop you from beginning to testify, but you know, I want, to, I want you to think about this thought that I want to share with you. And I want you to think about this over the next couple of days. What would I do, right? What would it do to your, quote, Christianity or faith if you would say, I should expect to be persecuted. I should expect it. Not for being a bad person, by the way, but for being a loving, committed follower of Christ who testifies in a gentle way. I should expect difficulty. I should expect that it might cause a problem at, in my family. I should expect there might be some issues at work. And I should expect, if necessary, I might die for what I proclaim. And our church, I know that sounds radical, but what kind of Christian does, does that produce? You know, the early church, they didn't have technology. 
They didn't have social media. They didn't have a lot of the comforts we have today. They were completely broke. Didn't even, even have a building. They met in the catacombs. But what they had, church, was that alliance and that allegiance to the person of Christ, the Holy Spirit living within them, and they were compelled to share what God was doing in their life. And here's the promise. It's time to be bold and to remember that I'm with you 24-7 to give you all that you need. That's what Jesus is saying. You see, that's what they realized. We can't do this, but God can. I mean, church, the early church, as you open the book of Acts, is just begins to roll out these ordinary people, men and women of all ages, who said we're going to testify. We're going to move forward. And it was just radical. God does powerful and supernatural things when people are out there saying, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When the 5,000 were added to the church in one day in Acts chapter 4, the religious leaders came to them and said, Don't you ever speak in Jesus' name again. Don't you ever. And you know what their response to that was? In Acts chapter 4 verse 12, they said salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Should we obey you or should we obey God? We can't stop. I mean, I love this. We can't stop declaring what we have seen and heard and experienced. So church, right at the beginning of my message today, I asked you a question. I said, how many of you out there are concerned about the future right now? And some of you may be asking, why do bad things happen to good people? And your children may even be asking the same questions. So I want to read you our last scripture for this morning. And then I'm going to close with a thought that I hope will give you an answer to some of these questions that you may be having. John chapter 16 verse 21 to 22 says, When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Church, there's a present world where there's a battle with evil and the author of evil, Satan, whose aim is to steal, kill and destroy. He's the one that's behind every evil plan in this world. He's behind sickness, destruction and death. The evil one and the evil within every human heart happens in the present world. And people need to be healed and forgiven and given a new heart. Because there's a forever world that God has already planned and prepared for His children and whoever wants to be with Him forever. He's defeated the king of the present world, Satan, and his number one aim of fear, destruction, and death, so that we'll all be safe and together with Him in the forever world. But until that time, there's a fierce battle with the evil one in the present world that is corrupted by evil people. But we all get to choose every single day 
who we will listen to, who we will follow, who we will worship, and who we will testify about. And so I call you today with the Holy Spirit's power to testify and to recognize that power will flow through you in ways that you cannot imagine and there will be a joy that you cannot explain and that circumstances and disappointment and people and even death does not have the power to rob you of what matters most. There is a forever world and if you focus on the forever world, it will give you a lens to live in the present world in a very different way. Church, be blessed. Have an awesome week as you testify about the greatness of our forever God. Amen.